Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. We're mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I'm your host, Gary Ware, and today I have a really good friend of mine, Jenna Sword. She is the owner of You Can Brand and the Launch Your Brand series, where she would teach you how to create your own brand and launch it within 30 days. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Hey, Gary. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And you have to pardon my dog is attacking a toy. Oh my gosh. Look at him. There he goes. No worries. If you if you want me to like attack him. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. It's cool. It's entertainment. So before we get started, it wouldn't be a Breakthrough Cocktail podcast without talking about what you're drinking. So what are you drinking this morning? I'm actually drinking two things. I have a very Portland mason jar of Stumptown coffee. Awesome. And I have a chai tea vegan uh, smoothie with almond butter that costs $13. Wow. Like almond, it's like vanilla espresso almond butter and, uh, and uh, chai tea vegan almond milk smoothie. <laughs> awesome. Sounds very um, just wholesome and, and goodness for your whole body. Absolutely. I'd love to drink smoothies for breakfast, for sure. Great. And I am just drinking today water. <laughs> I've tried to get more water, and my goal is to drink four of these. These are 33-ounce little jugs and drink four of these by the end of the day. This is almost done with two, so almost halfway done for the day. That's amazing. So you hired, did you, when did you start this water challenge? Just recently, I started getting a lot of headaches and I realized that I'm not as hydrated as I should be. Makes so sense. just a little test just to see if that keeps the headaches at bay. And so far, so good. Oh, nice. Well, that's good. I think drinking water, especially where you live, is super important. I know. Dehydrated so easily. Yeah, it's so hot and we're in a desert. <laughs> All right. So let's get started. So before we talk about how you got our, where you are currently, let's jump all the way back and... I want to hear the story about how you got started with being in creative, because uh, I know you went to school in Portland, and then... Yeah. Well, yeah, I have, I have like a kind of... I got my start in creative actually when I was about nine, which oh. was kind of weird. My dad put me on a computer when I was really young, and uh, I have a book that I actually found because I just moved to Portland again, and um, I was going through all my memorabilia stuff, and I should find it and show it to you at some point. <laughs> Um, but it says graphics by Jenna, Jenna Sword President, and it's and it's a book of MS uh, MS Paint drawings with uh, scanned images that I had scanned with a dot matrix scanner. So cool. <laughs> it's really so um, so. I didn't even realize that I was going to go into graphic design until later. Uh, you know, it's weird how it kind of like came in and out of my life, but but when I saw that, I was like, well, I guess at the age of nine, I knew what I wanted to do. Graphic design is and um, and so, but first licensed business when I was sixteen. So I did all the t-shirts for my high school. Nice. Yeah, that was um, I was on Photoshop before people knew what Photoshop was, and I also was doing um, sort of mock t-shirts uh kind of before they they were the trend so i like for the seniors for uh 
from the senior class, I did the senior t-shirts and I did a Snickers bar. And instead of it saying Snickers, it said seniors pure, um, seniors satisfied. And uh, the, the administration was like, no, 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 no. We're not gonna put senior satisfy on there. We're gonna, and so I changed it to pure satisfaction. So. Uh, you know, is what it is. Great. I, so you started designing at a young age and then you went to school in Portland. Did you study Mm-mm. design? Oh, you didn't even, oh, so. I went, I went to school in Eugene. Eugene, gotcha. Okay. Yes, um, I went to school in Eugene at the University of Oregon and I got my undergrad in multimedia design. Um, it was the first year that they had a multimedia design program in Eugene. And, um, and then I moved up to Portland after I graduated from school. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And did you jump right into design right out of school? Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. So, um, I graduated in 2003 and I went to a portfolio review day as a part of the university of Oregon. And, uh, the department of, of this portfolio review day is, is put on by a department called pods, which is like a professional development center. And we ended up, uh, going up to Portland to show our portfolios to professionals. And I showed my portfolio to a director at Wyden and Kennedy. And if you don't know what Wyden and Kennedy is, they're famous for the Just Do It campaign. And they're also famous for their Old Spice campaign. Huge agency, amazing creative agency. The lady took a look at my uh, portfolio and she shattered my hopes and dreams by telling me that um, I was a good illustrator, but I didn't know anything about graphic design. And I kind of like was horrified because I was graduating in a couple of weeks and somehow I had made it through my entire degree without really learning the basics of layout and typography. So I don't know, it's because they set it up where you just took whatever classes you could get into. So I got a basic knowledge of like animation and you know, I I had some illustrator classes, but nobody had like said, here are the fundamentals of graphic design. You know, this is what you should do. And she gave me a book that forever changed my life. And it's a book you should get if you're into graphic design. It's called uh, The Non-Designer's Design Guide by Robin Williams. Um, not the, com- the comedian. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's Robin Williams as a girl. The Non-Designer's Design Guide, amazing a book about the fundamentals of design, started to use those fundamentals as the basis for my teaching and realized that this was kind of the key thing for uh, taking somebody who's never designed before and kind of giving them the tools to do so. And so that kind of became the basis of my teaching. So fast forward. Quick question before we jump uh, fast forward. When someone shattered your hopes and dreams, how did that make you feel? Um, And how did you get over that were you one that just said all right it is what it is and you move forward or did you have to sort of pick yourself up well the thing that was really hard about that was it kind of was starting to make sense to me why i couldn't get even an internship um because i wasn't really showing knowledge in this field that i was trying to get an internship or even a job in so that was crazy because uh, it was it was terrifying. It felt very frustrating. I thought to myself, why did I even get this degree? And um, it came at that point that I actually abandoned the idea of being a graphic designer for a little bit. It took about two years before I decided to revisit it because I thought that I just wasn't talented enough. You know, I'm living in a city with a million other graphic designers, and if I couldn't even get an internship, I mean, 
what was I going to do? And what I didn't know is that I could have started freelancing and building my career that way, but it took me about two years to figure out that that was even a possibility. So I ended up spending a lot of time self-teaching, uh, doing things like Linda tutorials and um, trying to think what else here, uh, reading design books, uh, getting into it as kind of a hobby. And I finally got my first client uh, right after I graduated with my MBA. And that first client turned into a slew of other clients. And then I was really um, teaching myself and making my own my own future happen. So it's great. Gotcha. So the big tip here is, you know, don't let these setbacks get you down. You just need to find out what the skill sets that you need and then persevere. Well, here's the thing. We've talked about this before, um, a lot, like in a, on a one-on-one basis, but this is a really good thing to point out. And I've actually been talking to a lot of people about this because the, um, the, the ideas behind this are kind of changing. People graduate without the skills that they need to be successful in the profession that they're going into. Sometimes, if you've done a lot of extracurricular work at the university level, you've uh, been presidents of clubs and you've really pushed yourself or something, sometimes you'll make an easy break and get a job for Adidas without a portfolio. Like sometimes. That actually happened to my neighbor across the hall and the guy that she's hanging out with right now. They both got jobs within one day of graduation or something ridiculous. Like that is not the norm. <laughs> yeah. That is not, if you were like me and a three point for student, you know, not into a lot of extracurriculars, getting through my degree, happy to be graduating, you know, having an entrepreneurial spirit, but not a lot of direction. You know, you can find yourself going, I can't get a job out of school, so what am I going to do? And um, and so the point is, is that the university, in their mind, especially if you're going to a state school, it's not their job to get you a job. They actually really don't care it's terrible to say that they do care if you get work but it's not the mode of operation for them it's not like they're a trade school where their success is going to be dependent on your placement their job is to teach you how to learn and have a mode of thinking that will allow you to learn on your own and it's your responsibility to get the skills that you need to go get the job that you want this is very unfortunate. We're paying how many thousands of dollars? We think that they would prepare you. <laughs> and this is why pro professional development offices have become such an important part of the success of the students. But guess what? You have to go seek those things out. Nobody's yep. going to come to you and say, hey, take a resume class, take a portfolio class. Nobody's going to do that. Yep. So the lesson to be learned here is we, we should start a campaign, and I think that you're doing this, Hey students, here's your responsibility. Here's a list of things that you need to go get really good at. Interview skills, resume skills, all these things, soft skills, confidence building skills. You need to go do all those things before you can even think about getting the job of your dreams. And that's yep. kind of what you're teaching, right? Yep, exactly. So cool. So now fast forward a little bit, you're starting to do some freelance and your your confidence is building. Uh -huh. Take us through that because you eventually went to work for, for Nike, correct? Yeah. yeah. So um, there was a, a long series of things that like kind of happened, but I started uh, picking up clients and you know, my first client ever, and this just goes to show you that don't judge 
a book by its cover. Don't like think, uh, oh, I only want to work with maybe this certain kind of person. In the beginning, if you're going into something like design, you kind of want to be open and kind of see where things take you. And my first client ever was a strip club, which was kind of <laughs> an off the, <laughs> which, which I actually was a little bit frustrating because I would go in and work sometimes and I'd have my backpack and all the guys would be like, hey, when are you on? <laughs> it was like, no, I'm a designer. Yeah. I just work here. Yeah, it was very, very uncomfortable for me. I was just like, I'm not dancing. I'm just here to do the graphic design. So um, what was great about having a client like that was I got to do menus and T-shirts and um, ads. And from working with really high-end photographers, and Portland strip clubs are not like a strip club that you would see in any other city. Portland strip clubs are like, a dive bar with a very, very cool aesthetic of um, like women being amazing, strong, artistic dancing creatures. I mean, like it's not the typical sports bar with black lights and creepy, preppy, blonde, buxom babes. Like that's not that doesn't really exist here. So, so we had um, a very like edgy photographer be doing like beautiful photography stuff, like very cool fashion forward, highly creative stuff. And I got to take their photographs and like develop a huge body of work in a very creative way. Like everything kind of became uh, cultish, the same way that you would want to go to a city and collect something that would be very collectible. And people started uh, stealing the menus off the table. And they started, and they started. Uh, one of the people got the logo tattooed because it had the girls and the logo, and it was really. Should send you a picture of it. It's really cool. So that kind of made me understand that maybe edgy design work was something that I love to do. Um, it was something that kind of was interesting always because it wasn't like a finance company or something boring, and I had free reign to kind of do whatever I wanted to do and make it really cool. So that was kind of the first like indication of like, oh, I need to go find other companies that will allow me to be me and be edgy and be crazy. And that's when I started doing a uh, design for uh, a swimwear company that actually allowed me to be a little bit crazy with my design work. And I also did. Um, uh, design work for a vitamin water company that allowed me to do some crazy stuff. So starting to get bigger clients and bigger budgets. I was getting booked out for longer periods of time. Like instead of working for a client for just one project, I was getting booked out for years, you know, getting contracts for like a year's worth of work. And so that was giving me the consistency and the flexibility of being self-employed. And um, I ended up winning a design award for the Astoria Parks and Recreation, which was from the swimsuit client, they got hired as a, as a consultant for this Parks and Recreation. And I did a bunch of huge body of work. And um, the media labeled me the, coming in as the branding expert. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm a branding ex expert now. And um, <laughs> like, I'm going to roll with that. They're the ones who said it, not me. Yeah. So that's when I gave myself a license to start using that term. Um, but we, we took this pool that was at negative $100,000 a year to in, in the black uh, by $10,000. We completely changed the reputation of the pool. We won an international design award for the catalog that I designed for them. And that design award led to me getting hired from the University of Oregon. They saw me win the award and they came and said, hey, 
uh, you know, I was talking to them about my love of teaching because I had started, I had a stint in Tokyo for a year where I was teaching. <laughs> and, um, and they said, would you like to come back and work for the University of Oregon? I said, absolutely. So I worked for the same department that gave me the book, how to, that had the event that gave me the book. And I now do portfolio reviews at that event and give everybody that book because they're still running the same problem. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know anything about design. So yeah, so that was kind of like my full circle sort of thing. And then beyond that, based on the portfolio I developed, the fact that I won the award, the fact that I was teaching for the University of Oregon, Nike is obsessed with the University of Oregon because Prefontaine was the runner there and the coach was the inventor of Nike. And um, so when I have all this like, you know, stuff that's related to their passions and I've been working and doing sports sort of design with the swimwear thing, uh, they hired me as a, a senior graphic designer to come in and do uh, work for Nike Tennis. And um, it was at that point that I realized that I pretty much could have not had a better dream job um, at the same time, I was realizing that I was completely 100% unemployable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's the story of how I got to Nike, like the long sort of ah. you know truck to get there. But the key term here is that if you are graduating and you do want to work for a company like Nike, the secret is not applying through their website. The secret is getting signed up with a creative employment office like Aquint. And Aquint is the one that got me all the gigs through Nike easily because awesome. they, they find they find out about positions that don't exist on the public website or yeah. you'll never find these positions on monster.com. Yeah. It's yeah. only through creative agencies because it, it's so expensive to hire people that they go to the creative agencies and say, hey, we have a spot. You do all the hard work and figure out who would be a good fit for this or find a couple candidates. And then they, they hire from that way. Smart. Yeah. Cool. So now let's fast forward a bit. You've been you've been doing this. You're teaching, and at what point did you decide that you wanted to just break away from teaching and start your own thing? Oh uh, yeah. So if we go back just a couple steps and that in between time where I was freelancing and things were getting crazy and I had all those clients, I got a little, I got really burnt out because I was like. I was doing, I had 12 clients, so I was just like so busy all the time and people were getting mad at me because it was taking me forever to like get work out because I was just saying yes to everything like all new designers do when you just, you just get panicked that you're going to run out of money because you're a freelancer. And um, I had this epiphany that I was like, you know, I need a break from design. I'm going to go to Tokyo. So that's when I went to Tokyo for a year and took six months off of design before I missed it again and then went and designed for a famous tattoo artist by the name of Horiyoshi. And uh, Horiyoshi is like best friends with Ed Hardy. He's, um, he's a tattoo artist who lives in Japan who does tattoos by hand. And it was my job to like uh, do design work for like place his artwork creatively on $800 sweaters. Like that was really cool. <laughs> And I was also teaching at a university 400 students a week, speech and debate. And so I was, I was kind of like, I had my love of design over here and my love of teaching over here. And I was like, how do I merge these together? So I read a book called How to Make $100,000 a Year Teaching Online. I don't think that's the exact title, but it's something like that. And I came back and I instantly got a 
teaching jobs for DeVry, for Ashford University, and then consequently, a, like a year after that, I got the job for the University of Oregon. But then, it's been, now let's fast forward to where we are now. I, I just got done teaching for four years. So I've been back from, from Japan for a while. Um, the teaching has been monumentally life-changing in terms of developing my own personal philosophies, understanding how people learn design. Uh, but I got really burnt out because I always have 200 students. And these classes, you know, they only pay like $1,500 per class. And if you're teaching five classes, you're making a decent wage, but that's a lot of people to manage. So what I figured out was... Um, the teaching was instrumental in me developing my philosophies for my product. But once I launched the product, um, it became apparent to me that one student, the, um, the amount of money I make off of one student is almost the amount of money I make from teaching one class. So I was like, well, if I continue teaching, I'm actually losing a lot of money and opportunity to expand my business. And so I launched um, youcanbrand.com in April. I've ran my program on how to teach people how to on, or, uh, launch their brands, do a, a logo, business card, and a website in 30 days. And the program's ran three times, and it's sold out each time. And, um, and so now I'm making, in one start date, the amount that I was making in the entire year of teaching. Oh, wow. So, like, it's, it's like, imperative that I don't teach at university level anymore. Never would be making this kind of money being employed. I never would be making uh, this kind of money if I was uh, I would if I was just a web developer taking on you know forty five fifty thousand dollar websites. Uh, it wouldn't be the kind of work I would want to do. So I now get to design and merge my love of teaching together, and now help um, entrepreneurs and and want to be designers develop their own. Brands. Gotcha. So was that scary? You know, taking that leap of faith. You had the comfortable university jobs, you're getting, you know, decent wage. It was a lot of work. And then you just went out here and just into the unknown. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, how you, if you did have any fears, how you overcame them? Oh my gosh. Okay. So giving, getting, I, I work with coaching co or coaches. I had a coach who helped me figure out why I was having a hard time quitting. And the reason why I was having a hard time quitting was that being a freelancer can be so stressful sometimes that uh, you kind of uh, panic a little bit. You live a, a lot of hand to mouth, like going down to $1 in your bank account as a freelancer is pretty common. So when I discovered that I could freelance and teach and I always had consistent income coming in, it took a little bit of a load off of me. Like I could go, oh, if I'm not working right now, at least I know I'm gonna be getting X amount of dollars next month no matter what. And even if one school dropped off, I had two other schools to back it up. And I also had freelance clients to back it up. And so I always had enough money and I, but I was never really saving still. I was just kind of still kind of living hand to mouth but not worrying. And so when I made the decision to do this, I really needed to see how profitable the business could be. And so I had that one big start date at the beginning. Um, and, and I was like, oh, if I could keep doing this, then I don't need to worry anymore. I can let this go and, and be okay with it. And it took a lot of coaching to do that because I have this panic-stricken fear that it's all going to go away. 
that, you know, then I'm going to be back in the trying to borrow money for, or having to borrow money from my dad to pay for rent, you know? And so all those fears are still a part of me, even at 34, where I have to go, no, you're a different person now. You have a different skill set now. You could go get a client for $10,000 if you wanted to, and you have. So there doesn't need to be this like panic thing. And it's important that there's no panic thing because that's how you don't get business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fear, right? Yes. Well, because nobody wants to do business with somebody who's desperate. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So you, would you say that a lot of, in addition to your coach, a lot of self-talk and just positive affirmations helped you get through it? Yeah, you have to have a vision of what you want, and uh, you also have to connect by doing things like, you know, meditating on uh, in the morning, starting the day, and kind of checking in with yourself of where you are and addressing fears, um, and doing self-talk things. Absolutely, like when you have that little voice that's like, "Well, what if it? What if everybody hates you? Or what if everybody wants a refund? Or you know, whatever that fear is." And then go, well, if that happened, you would deal with it at that point. And it's not going to happen because you're amazing. And like, you just need to have faith in yourself that everything's going to be okay. And I would say like half of it is really having faith that you're in your own capabilities. Like if you just are like, you know, you can play out the worst case scenarios if you want to, but that almost negates just having the confidence that everything's going to be fine. And fortunately, when you do this, uh, you're not really attracting bad things to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're only attracting abundance and good things to happen, especially if you're coming from a place of service. Yeah. And that's like the key, key thing for every dollar that you make, you should almost be giving back to because you're going to get back for. <laughs> yeah. So how do you how do you give back? In what ways do you um, provide service? So I try uh, to support other entrepreneurs and believing in themselves is a really big one. I'll give you an example. You're going to love this story. This is actually really fun. I'm working with a dog trainer right now who I think is one of the most magnificent people and dog trainers I've ever worked with. He fixed my dog's issues in an hour. Like, Like Picasso, my little puppy, he was being aggressive to other dogs and and by the end of this one and a half hour session he had 10 dogs around him with no problems off leash like it was amazing and uh he charges a hundred dollars an hour and i charge two hundred dollars an hour and because i really like him and i want him to know what's possible i've been kind of sharing like what's been happening with my business and and he was like wow you know like i've never made money like that And I said, well, you can, and you will, and like, let me help you sort of figure out how to do this. And he was just like, you know, open to it or whatever. Well, we did a second training session on Tuesday and it was kind of a um, impromptu one because I was having problems with my dog in the elevator. And he gave me 30 minutes of his time for free. And he, he was just like, I said, how much do I owe? He's like, you don't owe me anything. And I said, no, you need to charge what you're worth. And I'm going to slip a check under your door. So I wrote him a check. I technically only maybe owed him $50 if he was going to charge me like the regular fee. But I paid him $100. And I wrote him a nice note that said, I want you to, I want you to see what it feels like to make $200 an hour. And here's $100. For, and I put like 30 minutes of your time. 
And I said, you know, his business is exploding right now and it's getting too big for him. It's like I'm um, not allowing him to do what he really loves. And I said, well, this is an indication that you need to raise your prices so that you're not getting such a huge influx of people that you're really only working with the ones who, who can afford it and that you're valuing your time. Yeah. So he had huge, he like just outpouring of like, you're totally right. You know, like, thank you so much for like seeing this in me and sharing this with me. And that's the kind of stuff through teaching that happens all the time. It's like uh, seeing people's values, complimenting them on their talents, allowing them to see uh, their own reflection so that they can have faith in their abilities and then go do more good in the world. And that's, oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at yeah. you just helping people grow and <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing because it thrills me inside to be able to do something like that. Whereas if I was coming from a place of fear with money or anything and going, oh, I, I'm so happy that you didn't charge me because I can't afford it when you really can, you know, like, like being able to give back and come from a place of giving instead of scarcity of like, oh, I need to store my nuts and not spend extra money because I'm afraid that it's all going to go away. I think a lot of people do that. And it's just kind of like, I realize that like two things, when you invest in yourself, you make it back hundredfold so investing in a coach like Gary or investing in a program to help your business if you commit to it and you invest in yourself you're going to get it back a thousand times and it just happens time and time again yep. yes. awesome yes. this is such good stuff Jenna we're going to take a quick break sure and then when we come back we're going to jump into the lightning round <laughs> yeah yay hey breakthrough cocktailers let's face it staying competitive in this fast paced world requires you to always be learning However, taking in-person classes can be time-consuming and costly. Luckily for you, there's Udemy. Udemy is an online education marketplace that has thousands of courses from world-class educators. They have courses that will teach you how to program a WordPress site to classes on improving your happiness. Classes are inexpensive, and more importantly, you can take them on your own time. If you're interested in learning more, go to BreakthroughCocktail.com slash Udemy, that's U-D-E-M-Y, to see a few of our favorite classes. Also, since you're a listener of the Breakthrough Cocktail podcast, from now through September 30th, 2014, if you use the code BREAKTHROUGH-65 at checkout, you will get 65% off your order. Now, act now, and good luck on leveling up your life. To kick off the launch of the Breakthrough Cocktail Podcast, we are throwing a contest. I'm giving away some of my favorite books that will help you level up your life. Also, one lucky winner will get a chance to join me at an exclusive Mastermind event here in San Diego in December 2014. To learn more and to enter, go to www.breakthroughcocktail.com slash launch dash contest. Good luck. All right, folks, we are back. I'm here with Jenna Sward. We are about to jump into the lightning round. Jenna, are you ready? Yeah. Let's Great. Yeah, these are a bunch of questions that I asked all the people that come into Breakthrough Cocktail just to okay. get inside their mind and, and see how they tick. Sure. So first question is, when you were young, what did you want to be when you grow up? I know you said you did this manifesto about being a graphic designer, but was that the only thing you wanted to be? Um, you know, I don't. I, I think that I wanted to be an inventor. 
I had like a lot of drawings of like playhouses at the bottom of a pool. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, I was like, I wanted a little tunnel where I could just hang out and play house at the bottom of a pool. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. What was your first job? The very first job that you ever had? Um, that's a good question. I think like the first official job I had, I got fired from the first day. <laughs> Um, it was working as a busser at a restaurant with a bunch of old, mean ladies that Ugh. thought that I was a terrible at busing, and they were totally right. Like, they kept saying things like, she's not as good as that Chandra girl. Yeah. <laughs> so mean. But yeah, I think, and I think that my other official first, oh, Baskin Robbins was like my first real, real job, like where I actually went more than one day. Yeah. Great. <laughs> cool. Next question is, do you have any hobbies? Um, what do you do for fun? Uh, my hobbies, I mean, gosh, I like, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with like learning about business stuff. So I do a lot of that. It's kind of like a hobby in addition, but if we get outside of work, I would say that my biggest hobby is like acrobatic pole dancing. And as you guys can see, there's like a pole in my ba -ba -ba. Awesome. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I do that for exercise and, um, right now my goal is to turn it into an art project and do, uh, acrobatic pole dancing for the sake of, uh, like, like thinking of weird juxtaposition sort of things of like, what would the Wicked Witch of the West look like if she was doing a pole dance? Like, <laughs> like exploring that stuff. Yes. And I just did a really creepy video with me as a twin. Which I saw, which was, it was creepy, but yet yes. I couldn't stop watching yeah, it. Kind of, and the most recent one that I did that I haven't released yet, or there's two that are kind of weird. One of them is with a bendy, um, a bendy sort of distorted camera like the one that's on photo booth on your Mac yeah um, but it does this weird thing where it makes your limbs look like rubber and so doing the spinning it looks like the creepiest tool video you've ever seen of like this weird sort of creepy creature and then the other pole video that's bound to be released is I did a pole dancing party with two people from Nike and two people from Adidas and I was teaching them pole tricks and I was bringing like two enemies together through oh wow <laughs> through pole dancing through pole dancing yes we will have world peace after all yes. <laughs> Great. Uh, next question is, how do you stay inspired? What keeps you going? Um, I get inspired a lot by my students. And I also, um, I, you know, I kind of take like things, they push me all the time to challenge me to what I really know. And it's kind of shocking sometimes where they'll come up with things where I'm like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Or, or I'll have the opposite reaction where I'm forced to sit down and understand what I understand. You know, like, what, what is it that I'm doing here? And this is like where philosophies are developed and stuff. So I think students are a great inspiration. Uh, watching TED Talks and deconstructing good design is huge for inspiration. I think that the TED Talks thing is magnificent. It's, yeah. It just blows your mind. Um, and then, of course, like going to things like uh, the World Domination Summit, like you and I went to and hearing people's stories of overcoming challenges and adversity. It's amazing. So yeah. Great. Yes. So next question is it's 7 PM on a Friday night. What are you doing? Ooh. Well, um, recently I've been going to the river and barbecuing with friends. That's been kind of a summertime version of that. A lot of times, I mean, I'll generally probably be going out to dinner with a friend or going on a date. 
but most recently, I've kind of avoided going out on Friday or Saturday nights because I'm trying to avoid weekend wears. The quality, the quality of people is just different, and I would rather go out on a weeknight. Yeah, so yeah. smart. Yeah. Next question. What are three songs that are on the soundtrack of your life? <laughs> um, the song Breathe by uh, Sia, S-I-A. I do, if you're, if her song was most famously made for the season finale of uh, Six Feet Under. Yeah, that's what, yeah, you played that for me. It was a good song. It's a great song. Um, there's also, I would probably say, oh, wow. Um, Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, maybe like Lisa Loeb's Stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you say. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Just because it's very fitting for, I don't know. That, that's just a wild guess. Yeah, guess. that's fun. All right, so two more questions. Next question is, uh, are there a series of quotes or affirmations that you like to live your life by? Um, yeah, I would say, like, the biggest, um, like, really understanding that time is the only currency that we really have. You only have so much of it, and you can't get more of it. So, um, like, I think the biggest learning lesson in this whole uh, launching my program and everything is that money does not equate to happiness at all. A, a healthy work-life balance, good relationships, far outweighs anything that you have in the bank. And sometimes uh, you need to realize that your dreams are not a destination, but really the process of achieving them is actually probably the most satisfying part. Getting to the point where you've completed something, you can run, you can find yourself going, now what? Yeah. And um, and so it really should be the journey of it should be like the most satisfying part and it shouldn't be about getting to a destination. I kind of like live my life like that. And um, and just always coming from a place of uh, of trying to inspire others by leading by example is like the biggest thing because that's you can't talk is cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Show me the money. Yeah, totally. And it's like if you believe in yourself, you help other people people believe in themselves and and also just you know really um a positive guiding light for people in your life will help you become a better positive guiding light for yourself yeah so true yeah last question is if you can give our listeners one tip one action that they can do right now to help them start to find their passion and live a life of their dreams what would it be well, I would say that you need to get out of the mindset that having a job is going to fix everything. So I think a lot of students graduate from school and they're like, well, if I could just get a job. And I think that it's important for you to think beyond that and really think about, uh, you know, if money was no object, how would you be spending your days? What are the things that thrill you beyond belief that just don't feel like work? And how can you find a way to get, get paid for that? And I think Chris uh, Gil, Gilbo, Gilbo, yep, he's kind of a big proponent of that. Like he talks about that a lot in his books and stuff. And I think he uses the example, I love eating pizza and playing video games. I don't know if I can find anybody to help me pay, you know, pay yeah, me for yeah. that. So the trick to that is like really thinking about what it would be that somebody would need and would pay you for. 
but there, I mean, you could be a video game consultant, you know, like there are ways to like somehow integrate these things that you're doing in with. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Now, now that we finished the interview, uh, you know, take a, phone, a few moments and tell us a little bit about your products and, and how people can get in touch with you. Oh, yeah, sure. So if you go to uh, youcanbrand.com, so Y-O-U-C-A-N brand.com, um, I am currently um, in the process of kind of changing my website over, but you can at least opt in for my free training series about learning the difference between uh, good design and bad design. I have some webinars that are going to be coming up. So if you get on the mailing list, you'll know about everything that I'm doing. And, um, and then I run the program like four or five times a year. And you, you work in a very like collaborative environment with a bunch of other students. And then we develop your brand together. So that's kind of what I'm selling right now. Awesome. And yeah, and so that's it. So thank you so much for having me on cool. here. No, thank you. This has been a great interview. And listeners, you can find all that information in the show notes. And until next time... Stay awesome. See ya. Thank you. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome. Stay awesome.